You are listening to You Were Made For This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Well, hey, thank you, Carol, and hello, everyone. I'm so glad you've joined us today for episode 132, Three Unusual Blessings to be Thankful for. Many of us here in the U.S. will sit down tomorrow for Thanksgiving dinner. It's custom in many homes to go around the table with each person expressing something they've been thankful for in the past year. One year, when our kids were very little, one of them blurted out, I am thankful that when I say the number seven, I don't explode. Giggles would follow, and it's hard being thankful in the midst of giggling. A more common response to what are you thankful for invokes family, friends, and good health. Not to minimize these blessings of gratitude, but for today, though, I want to consider other blessings we can be thankful for that we rarely consider. A few years ago, a missionary serving overseas posted on Facebook her disgust with Black Friday and the commercialism of life here in the U.S. She went on for several paragraphs chastising Americans for our materialism in no uncertain terms. Black Friday appalled her. Well, I'm no fan of materialism, but I'm really a big fan of Black Friday. Let me explain. The term Black Friday came about to describe businesses that finally got out of the red for the year. It isn't until shopping picks up after Thanksgiving that they finally turn a profit and get into the black, where income, that is the black, starts to exceed expenses, the red. It's sort of an accounting term. If it weren't for commerce... Where would missionary support come from? Black Friday indirectly supports missionaries in the spread of the gospel. It enables businesses to provide jobs for people that in turn provides income for people to support their families and support local and global ministries like missions. So I say three cheers for Black Friday. One Sunday several years ago, Janet and I went to the church, uh, our executive Producer Carol and her husband Terry attend. As part of the church service, they prayed for a local business. They prayed that it would be successful in serving its customers and providing jobs for people. What a, what a wonderful outreach to the community, I thought. Without Black Friday, a single friend of ours, living on Social Security that we spoke to just recently, would not have a seasonal job to supplement her meager government income. Without Black Friday, two of our grandsons would not be able to pick up additional hours from their part-time jobs to help pay for their college expenses. Without Black Friday, people would have fewer opportunities to express one of the five love languages Gary Chapman writes about, namely gifts. While some people undoubtedly shop for themselves on Black Friday, most shop for Christmas gifts for others. It's about the love, 
Don't, don't you feel it? I wonder if the missionary I mentioned who blasted the consumer mentality of Americans knows the story of Bethany Fellowship in Minneapolis. It was founded by five businessmen in 1945 with the vision of sending and fully supporting 100 missionaries. The families of these five business people sold their homes and pooled their resources to acquire a common residence, a large 30-room house in Minneapolis they called Bethany House. They did this to reduce unnecessary work and expenses so more time and money would be available for working together to support sending missionaries to the mission field. To fully support these missionaries, they started several businesses, the most successful of which were Bethany Camping Trailers and Bethany House Publishers. Bethany Global University is now another one of their initiatives. It prepares future missionaries to take the gospel to the far corners of the world. All of this was started over 70 years ago by five businessmen. It's a great story of using the world of commerce for kingdom purposes. Now, it's certainly out of the mainstream of what we normally give thanks for on Thanksgiving, but Black Friday and the world of commerce are certainly blessings to be thankful for. A second unusual blessing to be thankful for is humor. That's right, humor. In 1993, a great book came out that never really took off with readers. It should have. The name of the book is The Resilient Self, How Survivors of Troubled Families Rise Above Adversity. It was written by Stephen and Sybil Woolen. It raises, then answers the question, why do people who grow up with difficult childhoods often turn out so differently as adults? Some continue to be dysfunctional adults, not contributing to the society and culture in which they live, while others thrive. In their research, the authors found that those who later thrive as adults do so because they develop one or more of seven resiliencies, one of which is humor. Humor got me through adolescence. I wasn't a class clown. I didn't entertain people with jokes. But I did find comfort in noticing incongruities in life, in puns and satire. My wife Janet and I went to high school together, and she was co-editor of our high school newspaper. We weren't dating at the time, but she saw my humor come out in the few classes that we were in together. So one day she asked if I would write a column for the school newspaper, which I did for two years. Off the beaten path is what it was called. It was supposed to be funny, and occasionally it was. I loved writing it and I found it got my eyes off all the tension and dysfunction and drama going on at home with my parents. Humor is a tricky thing, though. It can connect us with one another, or it can separate us. Humor that comes out as silliness, sarcasm, or making fun of others pushes people away. And even good humor, when used too often, 
can draw undue attention to self, which ultimately bores people and distances us from each other. I learned an interesting thing about humor from a missionary's perspective a number of years ago. It was on my first missions trip, which was to Mali in West Africa. Mali is where Timbuktu is located. One of the missionaries there talked about the importance of language learning. If you don't learn the native language well, he said, you'll miss out on the humor of the culture. You'll miss the puns. You'll miss the jokes, he said. And you won't fit into the culture, and you'll be miserable. Well, that was interesting. When done well, humor is a blessing we can be thankful for, for it brings us together when we laugh about shared experiences. A while back, we were leaving church, and while walking past cars in the parking lot, we saw a friend in her car who rolled down the window and began chatting with us. She started by saying, Hey, did you hear the news today? The CEO of IKEA was just elected president of Sweden. Really? No. I I hadn't heard that, I said. Yes, and he's assembling his cabinet now, she responded. If I were to explain why that joke is funny, it would take away from the humor. But in the days afterward, I retold that to friends and family, and we shared a good laugh each time. It connected me with other people. So, when I think about that particular Thanksgiving day many years ago, when our son blurted out, I'm thankful that when I say the number seven, I don't explode, it reminds me of how parents can bless their children by helping to nurture in them a sense of humor. So, there you go. Humor is the second blessing I'm thankful for. Here's the third one. Two months ago, the Art Institute of Chicago fired all 82 of its docents because they were not diverse enough in the eyes of the museum's leadership. They were mostly older white women who volunteered their time to give guided tours of the Institute's extensive art collection. They averaged 15 years of experience in doing this. All of this prompted a letter to the editor of the Wall Street Journal. It came from Lauren Arnold of Mountain View, California. I'll read part of her October 20th letter. She writes, The foolish and short-sighted firings of volunteer docents at the Art Institute of Chicago will destroy decades of enlightened outreach to the public school children of this major city, which is Chicago. I know this because I owe my entire career as an art historian to the docents of the Art Institute of Chicago. My parents never took us to art museums. Those are for rich people. So my first introduction to Chicago's art treasures was on a 7th grade public school field trip where our rowdy busload of racially diverse working class kids was met by a brave young docent who took us through the Institute's awe-inspiring galleries. I've never forgotten that day. 
It was akin to Harry Potter's first visit to Hogwarts. We floated up the marble staircases, gazing at the enormous paintings of Greek myths, and walked through galleries of Impressionist works beyond compare. One docent told us, You live in Chicago, so this is your art. This building and everything in it belongs to you. Like your library, you can come here anytime you want. All of this beauty belongs to you. At the end of our tour, she got us on our bus to the south side and waved us a rueful goodbye. Her face showed that she already knew that not a single one of us had listened to her, that none of these kids cared. But she was wrong. My 12-year-old self was listening, and her words set me on a path that shaped my professional life. I credit the docent program of the Art Institute of Chicago with its highly educated women volunteers for providing this invaluable outreach to city kids who never would have known it without them. That day, this volunteer was an intellectual wizard, pointing me toward a life beyond my childhood schooling in Chicago's slums. She took us into one aspect of our civilizational past and made us heirs of the beauty of humanist culture. What what a wonderful piece of writing that comes from the heart to express the writer's deep gratitude for the passion a docent imparted to her 12-year-old self. Well, what what does all of this mean for you? I wonder what the unusual blessings are in your life that you can be thankful for. What are the unremarkable things in your life that if you reflect upon them, will evoke gratitude. I wonder how you might use humor to help you connect with people and perhaps ease tension in a relationship. And then there are the grateful people we are sometimes blessed to have in our life, like the writer who wrote to the Wall Street Journal about the docents being fired. People we just like to be around because they are so appreciative of the little and simple things of life. Maybe we could follow their examples so that others are drawn to us as we become a blessing they can be thankful for. If we ask God, I bet he would show us how to do this. Well, here's the main point that I hope you remember from today's episode. We enrich our lives when we take time to observe and reflect upon our experiences. When we do so, we'll more easily notice the blessings to be thankful for. I'd love to hear any thoughts you have about today's episode. Just send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org or you can share your thoughts in the leave a comment box at the bottom of the show notes. In closing, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act by considering the blessings in your life to be thankful for. In doing so, you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships 
because after all, you were made for this. Well, that's all for today, and happy Thanksgiving to all our American listeners. See you next week at the very beginning of December. Wow, I can't believe it's here already. Goodbye for now.